Hello, good humans, and welcome back to another solo episode. Hold on, I have to put my phone on Do Not Disturb because, listen, we are getting deep today. And I'm not going to lie to all of you. I'm not really a drinker, but I have my glass of wine for this one. I'm nervous. Even though this is one of the reasons that I wanted to start the podcast in the first place was to give voice to this inner demon that I have. And of course, my cats are coming to say hi, because why would I be able to do anything, um, you know, without them being a really vital part of it? Hi, Miso. Okay. So, hi, everybody. My name is Zoe, if you are here for the first time, and um, my cat Miso is with me. He's currently about six inches away from the microphone, so we will see if we pick up any of his cat, his cat-isms. Ooh, okay, no more putting it off. Here it is. Today, I am bringing you my body image story, and for those of you that are listening, this could be two hours long, this could be 20 minutes long, But this is something that I am very, very passionate about. It is something that is central to who I am. And I don't mean that I am my body image, but I will say that I am very passionate about talking about body image, about promoting positive body image, about giving space to people that are struggling with body image. I'm about educating about eating disorders and body dysmorphia. I have experienced this since I was about 15 or 16 years old. And I'm just here today to talk to you all completely unfiltered about what I've gone through, what I'm currently going through, the resources that have helped me, the things that have not helped me. And yeah, if this helps anybody, I am grateful. If this triggers anybody, I completely understand. And so if this is something that is going to make you feel anxious or depressed or just uneasy, please, please turn this episode off and tune in to one of my more lighthearted episodes. <laughs> I I feel very called to share my story, but I do know that it is not for everybody. Let's start from the beginning. I have struggled with body dysmorphia since I was about 16 years old. And it has been quite a journey. My first diagnosis came when I was freshly 18. I ended up in urgent care or the emergency room after getting pretty sick um, around my 18th birthday. My father took me to the emergency room or urgent care and I kind of broke down and admitted to my doctor that I had not been nourishing my body in the way that I should have and that I had been over-exercising and that these thoughts of body and worth and self-image were becoming all-encompassing for me. For me, this looked like being super aware of what I was eating. It looked like over-exercising while already being an active dancer and show choir and theater performer. It looked like trying to make the pictures that I took of myself look a certain way so that they looked like the 
quote-unquote popular girls pictures on social media and it ended up with me just being really fatigued weak losing a lot of weight so trigger warning I'm going to talk about weight a little bit um I am a five five foot six inch woman and I have been about five six since early high school My mom is six feet tall. My grandma is six feet tall. My aunt is six feet tall. And so people always assumed that I was going to be six feet tall. And it was always a comment when I was little that I was really skinny, but that I was going to be tall just like my mom. And so I heard this. My family called me Skinny Minnie, which at the time I didn't really think anything of it. Um, They would often make comments about like how small my clothes sizes were about how small I was and to me as a as a child I didn't really think anything of it it was just I was tall and skinny and that's how it was and then I stopped growing when I was five six so I wasn't six feet but I started to fill out in all of my (laughs) womanly ways and so around a freshman and sophomore year of high school two things happened Um, one, one of my very close friends became vegan and I was already pretty much vegetarian and I still am. I am a big advocate for the vegetarian lifestyle, but there, it has to be done healthily. And I could talk about that for a long time. So I decided that I wanted to be vegan because I was really inspired by this friend that I had that was that was vegan and I really liked what she had to say about animal rights and ethical reasons and global reasons and for me when I started it really wasn't about the body image of it all I just was really inspired because I didn't like meat to start with and I thought that it would be something interesting to try um but then she told me that she, when she became vegan, she lost a bunch of weight right away because naturally, if you're eating a non-vegan diet and you go vegan, your body is going to have to adjust to eating a lot less fat and a lot more fruits and vegetables. So my brain kind of latched onto that. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh, well, that could be a good um, added bonus, I guess, or you know, if that happens too, that would be great. But mind you, I was about five, six, and I already weighed about 130 pounds. And so again, I now am a firm believer that your number on a scale does not determine your worth as a person. But just scientifically, and like looking at photos of myself during this time, being five, six and weighing 130 pounds, like that made me a naturally smaller person. Like I just, I was skinny and um and that was okay for me at the time because I was super active I was still kind of prepubescent slash going through puberty like I was still a child and I did not need to lose any weight but after I became vegan exactly what my friend said happened would happen did happen and I started to lose weight and um and I definitely noticed and so People around me noticed too, like I remember one day I was sitting in the car, I was sitting in the passenger seat with one of my friends and I was wearing short jean shorts and she just looks over and she was like, oh my gosh, your legs are like the size of my arms. Um, Just saying that 
like my thigh was about the size of her wrist, which was not true, I, I don't think. But I started to like latch onto this this notion that people were noticing that I was small. And from there, the obsession just grew. One of my friends asked if I wanted to join the YMCA with her. So I got a YMCA pass and we would run laps around the Y. We would go on the elliptical. And I just, I just remember this feeling of I would do the elliptical for 30 minutes one day. And then I would say, okay, I'm going to do it again. Then I would get to 30 and 30 wasn't enough. So I would push myself, go to 40. The same thing would happen the next day and I would go to 50 and then 60 minutes. And suddenly I could elliptical for an hour and a half or two hours But then I would also not eat dinner and then proceed to go to a two-hour show choir practice or have drama practice where I would be dancing. Or my senior year, I was taking dance classes. So I was just doing a lot of physical activity. Not to mention that in high school, you're also in gym classes. And so whether or not you like it, you are also subject to physical activity in that way. So I was just, I was very active. I was trying to eat a vegan diet and I was not I was not nurturing my body at all in the way that I should. But it wasn't an unintentional thing because at the back of my mind was this little demon that was telling me that this was the right thing to do. Um, So fast forward, sorry, I kind of went a little bit on a tangent there, but fast forward to that emergency room visit when I kind of broke down and told the doctors how I was feeling and My mom wasn't there because she was at a family holiday. My dad was able to bring me. And I just remember both of them being like, what? We had no idea that this was going on. And I'm like, well, yeah, you can't just tell your parents that you're trying to starve yourself. Because they're going to tell you that you're beautiful and that you're good enough no matter what. And and I needed a reason to justify what I was doing. So... I jumped into treatment. I have to say that my memory of my second half of my senior year of high school was pretty much missing class all the time in order to go to therapy, to my dietitian, to regular doctor's visits. And um, I remember this as a positive thing. I knew that I was going to get help, but at the same time, I wasn't sure if I wanted it yet. And that is a really confusing thing to get get a handle on if you if you've ever been through this before. It's that you're constantly playing a mind game of I know logically and scientifically I should be getting better because I am going to kill my body if I don't. But at the same time, these intrusive thoughts of wanting to be smaller and wanting to be skinnier are always at the back of your head. So Senior year of high school, I was in treatment, I was in therapy, and things just kind of, they kind of just phased out. Um, because I was a senior, I was I was geared towards graduation. I moved away for the summer and lived with family in um, the Twin Cities, which is about two and a half hours from my hometown. Because I went to college in my hometown, My family decided to let me move in with them for the summer because I was dealing with some sadness or guilt or anxiety or whatever it was about going to college in the same town that I grew up in. And the reason that I did that was because I got full a full ride to my university, but there was still this 
piece of me that was jealous that my friends got to move away and I didn't. And I had a really good summer, but there were, again, two factors. The first factor was that I was taking Accutane, which for those of you that don't know, is a really strong prescription that helps with acne, which was also a part of my physical insecurities was that in addition to having body dysmorphia, I also was dealing with really bad cystic acne. And so I decided to go on Accutane. And to this day, it has helped immensely. I am very happy with what Accutane has done for my skin. But one of the biggest side effects of Accutane is that it can make you an emotional roller coaster and an emotional mess. And that it did, my friends. I was at really low points of that summer. And I was dealing with this newfound adulthood, this newfound freedom. I was on this drug that was making me feel crazy. And I had a horribly emotionally and verbally abusive boyfriend. And I don't want to get into that because that is another story in and of itself. But he knew that I was going through all of this treatment for eating disorders and body dysmorphia. And he would still say things to me when I would get upset about certain things. He would say, why are you so emotional, you anorexic bitch? And (laughs) if there is any chance that he is listening to this episode, which I know he's not because he's blocked on all social media and why would he ever see this? If If there's any reason that he ever stumbles upon the podcast and listens to this episode, you know who you are and... um. I want you to know that you really, really, really hurt a young 18-year-old girl really badly. So I may not keep that in. Who knows? He doesn't really deserve my time anymore. But yeah, so I was away from home. I was, I had just gotten through this, this course of recovery. And then I was with this partner that was making me feel even worse about everything that I was going through and making me feel like it was hurting my relationship as well. Then I went to college and college does a number on you because you're, you are less active, you are drinking, which I have to publicly say, like, I never really drank because I wasn't a huge fan of the party scene, but I also never drank because I was terrified of this concept known as the freshman 15. I still to this day have an issue with thinking about how many calories are in alcohol. And even now I'm sitting here drinking my glass of red wine and I don't even know the last time that I had a bottle of wine in my house, but I have one now because we hosted a gathering and somebody left their wine here and it's still kind of plaguing my mind. And so that's just me being vulnerable with you and telling you that these these thoughts never quite go away or they haven't yet. And I am actively working on that. College is happening and I started to gain some weight. And I think that I'm allowed to say that. And I think that I'm allowed to be vulnerable about the fact that I have gained a significant amount of weight since I was a senior in college. Sorry, a senior in high school. And it is really, really hard for me to look back at pictures during that time and remember the emotional instability that went with being the size that I was. So I can look back and say to myself, I really wish 
that I was still the same size as I was when I was a freshman in college. But the reality is I do not wish that I had the emotional instability that I did. And so with emotional stability for me came weight gain. It also came along with the fact that I was no longer as active as I was, that I was spending a lot more time sitting in class, that I was, um, I wasn't in dance classes anymore. I wasn't in show choir. I wasn't, I wasn't doing all of these things that were keeping me active. And my dietitians, when I was in high school said that I had to stop being vegan. So I am still vegetarian, but I do eat dairy and I do eat milk. Sorry, that's the same thing. I do eat dairy and I do eat eggs. And I think that it, despite me gaining some weight because of it, I have felt a lot better and I am very grateful for that. So changing topics a little bit, I went from that moment when I was diagnosed in my senior year up until this past spring slash winter, thinking that I had anorexia with some bulimic tendencies, but that I was just maybe in remission or I wasn't acting on it. But what was really happening was that I had started developing binge eating disorder. And I started working with a therapist around February and March of this year, who I absolutely love. I could tear up (laughs) thinking about her, who I ended up not being able to see long term because she is out of my insurance network and I simply could not afford her. (laughs) And that makes me so so sad because she was helping me in ways that were unimaginable but I just could not afford to pay $300 a month or $300 every two sessions in order to meet with her and maybe that will change someday if my needs are greater or if I'm making more money or whatever it is but for where I am right now it was not feasible and uh (laughs) I will just say this, if anybody in the Cooley region is struggling with body dysmorphia and eating disorders and you can afford it, I highly recommend Emily Pfaff from Live Free Therapy in La Crosse, Wisconsin. She is incredible and I really want to have her on the podcast someday, but I don't think she'd ever be allowed to because she was my therapist, but she is amazing. So we start talking and I'm describing my past diagnoses. I'm describing kind of how I'm feeling and she's taking notes. And at the end of my session, she just says, Zoe, can I, can I, you know, run something by you? Can I just see how you react to this? Of course. And she says, I would like to give you a new diagnosis of binge eating disorder. And I said, what? (laughs) That is not, that's not possible. When I think of someone with binge eating disorder, I think of the little boy from the movie Matilda who eats an entire chocolate cake and cannot get up until he's done eating. That is the image that I had in my head of what binge eating disorder looked like. And I'm here to set the record straight that that is not what it looks like. Binge eating is really any form of eating to a point of making yourself full, to make yourself uncomfortable, and then proceeding to be extremely guilty, anxious, depressed, um, just like self, 
self-loathing because of that eating and then maybe doing something like punishing yourself the next day by not eating breakfast, not eating lunch. But then by the time you get to dinner, you are starving again and the binge cycle starts all over. And so what I was in do what I was doing was more intentionally binging because I was committing to these impossible diet plans. I would be eating so clean and so minimal for lunch and for breakfast that by the time I got to dinner, I had taken in about zero calories and I was so hungry that I would eat like four or five dinners for one person all by myself. And so even though I didn't think that I was struggling with this, I realized that I really was. Um, It took me a little bit to come around to the idea because I had been sitting for about six or seven years thinking, no, I, I have anorexia. And I also struggled with this thought of if I have anorexia, how am I gaining weight? And that is something else that we will get into because I strongly, strongly believe and know that eating disorders have no weight. They have no look. There is not one There's not one body size that goes with what an eating disorder looks like. And so often eating disorder patients that are maybe in plus sizes or larger sizes are not taken seriously enough because their weight is the only thing that's being addressed and their eating habits and their body dysmorphia is not being taken seriously. So that was wrong of me. That was something that I had to learn, but I very much believed for myself that I had anorexia, but I really couldn't have anorexia because I had gained so much weight. Well, as it turns out, no, I I am not an anorexia patient anymore, but I was really struggling with binge eating disorder. And that was something that I, I finally came around to when I started looking into what I could do. And the first thing is to eat three well-balanced meals. And now I started therapy in March. It is now September. It's almost October as I'm recording this. And I can say that I'm finally at a place where I'm starting to feel comfortable and fully fed and feeling good about what I'm eating, but it has taken a lot of work. I started seeing a dietitian at my local hospital just to get some guidance on how I could best nourish myself as a vegetarian As someone who has endometriosis, meaning that I should be eating a more anti-inflammatory diet, and just somebody who's really not overly skilled or ambitious in the kitchen. So I'm not somebody who is going to go on Pinterest and find the most elaborate vegan vegetarian meal and try to make it. I'm a creature of comfort, and I like to be able to have things accessible. And so recently, I have started meal prepping which I know sounds so cliche, but has really started or has really made my eating habits so much better. So just for some of you who may be interested, I'm going to walk through a little bit of like what I might eat on a daily basis. And I just want to talk or I just want to make it clear that this is very much what works for me. It does not mean that it works for everybody, but usually for breakfast, I will have a parfait of sorts. So I like to get non-fat, 
vanilla Greek yogurt. My personal favorite is Chobani. And I have yogurt with granola. And tonight, actually, right before I recorded this, I made my first batch of homemade granola. But up until this point, I was just buying great value Walmart brand granola. And then I usually put uh, any number of fresh berries. So my personal favorites are blueberries, raspberries, and strawberries. But whatever is in season and whatever is looking not very moldy (laughs) in the store. I will say getting fresh fruit in the Midwest is hard in the winter. And even in the fall, it's only September, but I'm noticing that it's a lot more expensive and a lot lower quality than it was in the summer. So usually I do a parfait for breakfast, something that I've also done personally for other health reasons. Again, I have endometriosis and it affects me in the most bizarre ways, but Coffee was giving me horrible acid reflux. And I don't mean like an espresso drink. I mean brewed coffee bean coffee. I don't know if there's a specific word for that, but like I was making a pot of coffee and drinking that. And I have been since I was like 12. And I was getting horrible acid reflux. Like I, anyone that's around me could attest to the fact that I was burping like every 30 seconds, which is disgusting and nobody needs to live like that so I recently in the past month have given up coffee brewed coffee I'll still have an espresso drink now and then but I have been drinking matcha and it has been making me feel so much better so in the mornings I'll make a matcha latte just with well not even a latte I'll just make a matcha with hot water and then I'll add french vanilla almond milk creamer in order to get a little bit of a sweeter taste. So that's breakfast. Lunch, I like to make some sort of grain-based salad. So full transparency, I'm not a salad girl. I do not like lettuce. I do not like spinach if it's if it's at the base of something. I like spinach in a salad. I don't like a spinach salad. So I will make grain bowls with quinoa or couscous, rice, I'll add beans, I'll add fresh vegetables. The one that I made today was like a burrito bowl. So it has brown rice, shredded lettuce, black beans, tomatoes, guacamole. I'll I'll add sour cream if I want a little bit of dairy. But basically like anything that is a grain base that I can add any assortment of fruits and vegetables to. And then honestly, I kind of do the same thing for dinner. Like if I have a Mediterranean bowl for lunch, I'll have a a Mexican inspired bowl for dinner or vice versa. I also really like vegetable soups. You can get them canned and they are just fine in my opinion. Um, I also like to do toast or fried eggs. I love avocado toast. That's my other breakfast. If I'm not doing a parfait, I'm doing avocado toast. I really did love oatmeal for a long time. I was eating oatmeal. I would make overnight oats. In the fall, I'll make pumpkin overnight oats. I think it's all just about finding something that you like and sticking with it. So the food has been a big thing for me. The other topic that I really want to get into is, this makes me tired to even think about. It's exercise. I suck at exercise. And if there's anybody out there that's listening and is just saying like, 
Zoe, all that it takes is the motivation. The motivation's inside. Like, it's all about discipline. It's all blah, 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 blah. I can't hear it. I I can't do it. And maybe that will change in a week and a month and a year. But up until this point, I have just had the hardest time. I, like I said, grew up doing dance and show choir and theater. And so I was getting a lot of exercise, but in a form that I absolutely loved. And let me just tell you, dance classes, even having a Y membership to do Zumba is not cheap. And so it can be a financial burden for people that just say, all you have to do is find something that you love. Like I literally just said about food, but all you have to do is find something you love. That's not, that's not necessarily the case because there's always a financial burden. Um, since, since leaving my world of performing, aka built-in exercise, I have dappled with the Beachbody program, which to be fair, during COVID, I really liked. It was the first time in my life that I really felt like I had muscle, like I was strong. But as I started gearing up to graduate from college, I definitely fell off the train with that a little bit. Um, I'll, I've gone through periods of walking outside. I've gone through periods of trying like the 12, 330, which is walking on the treadmill for 30 minutes at an incline of 12 for a speed of three miles an hour. I've done that. I have gone to the Y and done Zumba classes. Oh, talking about this just makes me honestly tired because it is something that brings me so much stress and so much anxiety because I see pictures and videos and people in real life that just make it look so darn easy and it's not easy. So I am currently in a season of my life where if I can get a 30 minute walk outside in my day, I am happy. I am satisfied. Do I love what I look like when I look in the mirror? No. Do I see photos of myself and absolutely want to change a million things about myself? Yes. Do I sometimes go to bed feeling so bloated and so disgusting? Yes. Do I sometimes cry myself to sleep because I am not a size two like I used to be? Yes. But I am here today, whenever you're listening to this, to tell you that it is okay It is okay to feel like that as long as you don't resign yourself to the fact that you are going to feel like that forever. I I, I wish that I had the words to describe my healing process to you, but I always have to turn back to my faith. As a Christian, we believe that God created the world. He created everything. He created mankind. And it says in scripture, he created mankind in his image. Now, I don't know about you, whether you're a Christian or not. When I think of God, I think of the most miraculous, spectacular, amazing, perfect being that there is. And if God created us in his image, then we are pretty darn close to the most amazing thing ever. I mean, we're obviously flawed. We're obviously sinners. We are human beings. We live on earth with all of our many temptations and fallings and all of that. But he created us in his image and he created us to be good. And so all of this time that I'm spending hating myself and being anxious and 
being depressed and trying all these fad diets and fad workouts, all of that is not doing service to this God that I believe in that created me in his image and created me to be good. That is what I always come back to. The Latin for made in him made in his image is Imago Dei. And I have that written in my phone, in my journals, in my Bible. I'm hoping to get it tattooed pretty soon. It is just something that grounds me, that brings me back to remembering who I am, who I was created to be. And it reminds me that I'm beautiful. It reminds me that I am worthy, that I'm valued, that I'm loved. And at the end of the day, life is too short to be hating myself for whatever my fleshly body is because there's so much more waiting for me in heaven. And I know that I have non-Christian listeners out there who might be listening to this just rolling your eyes. And I just want you to know that is okay. This is this is what I believe and this is what grounds me and this is what urges me to keep going and to keep trying and to not not give up. Um I would just like to share a couple of resources that have really really helped me and I'm I'm currently sitting in my bed again drinking my wine, talking to my cats. So I'm not sure if I have all of them around me right now, but I have a couple of people, authors, podcasters, writers that have really helped me. Uh, The first one is the creator of the Become Project. Their name is Bethany, and I'm drawing a blank on their last name right now, but Bethany is an incredible human being who created this workout exercise movement program called the Become Project, and it is all about becoming the best version of yourself, but also just showing up as you are. It's all about gentle and soft movement. It's about body positivity, body inclusivity, and they are just incredible. Um, They just had their first child after a really long infertility journey and have also talked through what what your active level or your activity level is like when you're pregnant. Um, Something that I am gratefully not going through yet or experiencing yet hopefully someday and I'm sure that that will take a toll on my brain and body as well even though I am excited to hopefully have a child someday and I'm excited to go through child birth and building and creating a child building is so not the right word growing a child inside of me it's also terrifying to know that my body will never ever ever be the same after that So I hope this doesn't make too much noise as I'm recording on my phone and also opening my phone, but there are a number of books that I have read in the past year or so that have helped me a ton. The first one is called Hunger by Roxane Gay. It's a memoir of my body, their body. There is Weightless, Making Space for My Resilient Body and Soul by Yvette Dion. There is My Body is Not an Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love by Sonia Renee Taylor. Women, Food, and God, An Unexpected Path to 
Almost Everything by Janine Roth. I'm sorry, I am reading these on my Storygraph app while also recording, and they're very small. <laughs> um, there are a number of poetry books, especially those by Rupi Carr and Amanda Lovelace that have really helped me in my own self-love journey. Glennon Doyle is an amazing woman, author of Untamed and host of We Can Do Hard Things, the podcast, someone who talks very openly about eating disorders and recovery. There are so many great resources out there. Anyway, I'm going to leave this for part one. This is a shorter episode than I would usually do, but I'm feeling myself getting really worn out and tired after talking about this. Um, I've tried to record this episode for months. I wanted this to be like the first thing that I talked about on my podcast. And every time that I tried to talk about it, I would just become panicky and anxious and withdrawn. And I can feel myself turning to that right now. It is 8.20 p.m. on a Monday night. I'm going to curl up, finish my wine, probably switch to some tea, curl up with my cats, with my partner, and just remind myself that I'm worthy, that I'm valued, but also know that my DMs, my messages, my emails, my Facebook, my texts, whatever it is, is always open. This is something that I am never going to stop talking about. And it is something that I try to be as vulnerable as possible about because the more people that I talk to that tell me that my story helped them, the more brave and the more strong I get in my in my own self-identity. So if you made it to the end of this and you sat through the absolute chaotic rambling that was the last 40 minutes or so, I thank you and please come back. <laughs> it's not always going to be like this, but if you're here for the times that it is, I thank you. You are a good human inside and out. No matter what you see when you look in the mirror, you are a good human. I could cry. I feel very overwhelmed <laughs> right now. I love you all and thank you for being a good human. <laughs>